Welcome back to Tears, Tides, and Transformation, a podcast about healing. I am Kiana Daniels. And I am Bridget Flaherty. And today, I spoke with Lex, who is a chemist and an all-around dope person. I originally met Lex in 2018, so I guess about four years ago. So it was really full circle moment to have a conversation with her and to learn about her experiences and to kind of catch up with her on our podcast. And I was really very excited when she signed up to be a guest. My name is Lex. I'm married. I got married during the pandemic in my backyard to my wonderful wife. And that was a really awesome experience. But also it's scary getting married in a pandemic. We were supposed to get married in New Orleans. And then COVID happened, so we got married 10-10-2020, and it was awesome, right in our own home in Dayton, so that made it really special. And we have two dogs, and we love doing outdoor things, so we kayak a lot. Stereotypically, we both have Subarus, and we just love adventuring and camping, and I'm a chemist, so I love science. To get married in your own home town, but also at your home, I think is pretty special, so... It seems like a wonderful alternative. Absolutely, yeah. It was beautiful to have that memory. And like people like to go back to the places they got married. Well, we're there every single day. So <laughs> It was really great to hear the things that have been happening since the last time we spoke. And I saw them because, of course, the pandemic, we lost touch. So as we got into the conversation about healing, Lex defined healing. So healing to me is not something that has a specific end point. For me, and especially with this particular quote-unquote traumatic event, it is an ongoing process, a permanently ongoing process. I am learning and growing and changing every single day. And healing for me has really expressed itself in living authentically and waking up every morning being as me as possible to show that I'm not just a product of my trauma. And so for me, when she said that phrase, being as me as possible, I really resonated with that and thought it was such a great, powerful phrase to say and to live by because that is absolutely what most of the people talk about in their healing journey. What they arrive to is being themselves as authentically as possible, showing up as their whole selves, and just being confident in that finally. And I like how she describes it showing up every day because I personally experienced self-abandonment and especially early on in my healing journey, identifying that in certain situations, I would show up as the way I thought I should or what was expected. And that's self-abandonment. That's me not being authentically myself, but knowing that tomorrow or this morning is a new chapter and that I can choose to show up. And what that does is over time, I have less instances where I abandon myself because every morning I am choosing to be myself. And there's grace in that. We talk about this a lot, right? There's self-love and grace in saying, I choose that today, even if yesterday I banded myself in this one moment, I choose that today, and I choose it today, and I choose it today. Yeah. 
every single day we have to decide to be who we are what feels good to us and I think it's difficult for us though because it's not modeled behavior generally speaking society it's all about fitting into boxes it's all about being something that other people think we should be which has absolutely nothing to do with us and so that is one of the reasons why I've fallen in love with the healing journey because we all start to learn and understand that we don't have to live for other people anymore. We can live for ourselves. And then it helps us to go on a journey of like, well, who am I and what do I like and how do I want to show up? What feels natural to me? And so that's where Lex has arrived. She's now being her authentic self every single day and sitting across from her. She was beaming from ear to ear with just such joy in saying that phrase, being me as much as I can be. And so I love to see it. When I asked Lex how she arrived to the beginning of becoming her authentic self, she replied with, if we're healing, then we're healing from something. And it's necessary to talk about the trauma that we're healing from, which you and I understand. That's why we have the podcast. And she then began to tell the backstory of her trauma. And I want to just say this. This was the first time Lex has publicly spoken about her trauma. You know, I really, I commended her for that, that she was brave enough to do it and that she trusted you and I and Tears, Ties, and Transformation to be the first public platform for her to tell her story so that she can start advocating for people who have also been in her shoes. So I was sexually and romantically groomed when I was in high school. I met my groomer when I was 13 years old and she was 25 and she was a teacher at the middle school that I attended and she wasn't my teacher and at the time I thought that was an important distinction that like okay she was a teacher but she wasn't my teacher. Now for those of us who may not know what grooming is it is when someone builds a relationship trust and an emotional connection with a child or a young person so they can manipulate exploit and abuse them. Children and young people who are groomed can be sexually abused, exploited, or trafficked, according to the National Society for the Prevention of Cruelty to Children. It's most often talked about in regard to children, but adults can also be groomed as well. And the best example regarding adults would probably most likely be what R. Kelly did to a lot of those women that he engaged over all of those years. Rain which stands for Rape, Abuse, and Incest National Network, breaks down the five warning signs of sexual grooming that Lex mentioned, but I want to go into more detail with them. The first one being victim selection. Second, gaining access and isolating the victim. And we'll talk a little bit more about that later in regard to Lex's story. Three, trust development and keeping secrets. Four, desensitization to touch and discussion of sexual topics, and five, attempt by abusers to make their behavior seem natural. And so in Lex's story, she went through all of those five stages of grooming, which at the time, she didn't understand what was going on. She didn't know that it was grooming. It wasn't until later in her adult life that she understood and was able to put a word to what happened. Between 13 and 16 or so, kept somewhat in touch, 
but mostly like saw each other at football games, stuff like that. Pretty normal, run of the mill. And then 16, the grooming really ramped up. She was my high school softball coach. I was in high school. She transferred to teach at the high school and left the middle school. And she was like really ingraining herself in my life. And so I was kind of like backing away from high school friends, spending more time with adults and kind of just starting to get more isolated, which is just like a classic part of the grooming process. And then 17, we got romantically involved. I was 17. She was 29. And that's when it became real. It became a thing. So I could truly understand how Lex could not see danger signs while they were being groomed by an adult woman when it genuinely seemed like a caring relationship. And thinking about my own childhood, I was a very trusting child with men and women. And I remember my mom vividly telling me, I love your sweet and pure heart and nature, but you can't trust everybody. And I resonated with Lex's story because I know that I could have easily been taken advantage of when I was a child by teachers, family members, or family friends. And just like most of the youth who that actually happens to, because when you're that trusting, it's easy for someone who is a predator to groom you. So I really thank God that my mom instilled that in me because the reality of the situation was I was very gullible as a child. I was way too nice. I remember being reprimanded for sitting on people's laps and just really having that very trusting spirit. And a lot of times it is very important for parents and adults to pay attention when that type of behavior happens with a child. And sometimes the question, like, it's almost a thin line, right? But it is important to question, like, why is my child so trusting of particular people? Because sometimes we might say like, oh, that's so great. You know, we want them to feel comfortable. But then again, in terms of grooming, sometimes you have to kind of question that and like really pay attention to behavior. I think too, as society, we need to hold predators accountable. And that is not always the case. And the truth is, as parents, we can be vigilant and we can teach children how to watch for signs. But the truth is, we need to be holding predators accountable. And often, predators will choose to, quote, unquote, volunteer their time to be around children or to be in professions such as teachers or clergy where they have access to children in a trusted manner. And as we have seen in recent history, those people are not always held accountable, even when it is a repeated issue. And that is, as a culture, as a society, as a community, we really need to take this seriously. I have um, a girlfriend who was sharing with me her child was in the beginning stages of experiencing some grooming. And she was knowledgeable enough to contact the school, to put some things in place. And because nothing happened, because there was no actual, quote unquote, touching, then this person was not held accountable. And that's how this stuff perpetuates. Not being informed about grooming, not being informed about what it leads to, and not holding predators accountable. Yeah. And that's the thing, too. It is very unfortunate that our society is reactive rather than proactive. Why does something have to actually occur for us to pay attention and to take action? That is asinine to me 
for us to believe that and to behave in that manner because we should be protecting our children and our youth and our young adults from those predators. And we are all about like healing from trauma, but there shouldn't be trauma in the first damn place. It's unfortunate that in that situation, in many situations, institutions will not take action until something has occurred. So once Lex and that teacher began their romantic relationship, it actually lasted for seven years. And it was the first relationship and the only relationship she had been in in her life at that time up until she met her wife. We remained together for seven years, which is a crazy long time. That's my entire youth, pretty much, so well into my 20s, until I met the woman who is now my wife, I credit everything to her. Meeting her, I just got a glimpse into how my life could be different. Because when you are a student dating a teacher, your life is just lies and secrets and hiding. And you don't think about the toll that is taking on you at the time. And when I met my wife, I just saw like I could just live a normal life. I could just exist. I could be me. I could be out. I could be proud because even in high school, I couldn't even be out because if somebody thought I was gay and then I was spending all this time with this teacher, it was going to raise questions. There were going to be flags. And so I had to do everything to maintain the secret. So I couldn't even just be regular me. So I took a boy to prom. I did all the things that I should have been doing as a heterosexual teenage girl. And once I saw that I could live a different life and someone could love me for myself, that's when everything started to change. I think it's amazing how powerful contrast can be in our healing journey, whether it's comparing relationships or whether it's comparing what something feels like versus what something else feels like. I think it's important to have those experiences of contrast to be able to say, no, that doesn't work for me. That was not healthy. Maybe it was the only thing I knew. Maybe chaos was normal for me. But the contrast helps us to sit further into what is right for us, right? And I think in the healing journey, sometimes we have back and forths where we have to experience the contrast to figure out what healing is, what it looks like, what is good for us, what is right for us. So I got out of that relationship and that was difficult because at various points, I mean, like, obviously, I wasn't friends with anyone I went to high school with because I couldn't be. And I had at different points stopped talking to my family over this relationship. And so I felt very alone. So it was very scary to leave this person. This person had been all I had known essentially in my entire adult life from 17 to 25 was just this person. So that was scary to just step away from. So initially when we broke up, I was like, well, we're going to be friends because I don't know how to not have this person in my life. And that was, I mean, as anyone would guess, pretty disastrous. But my wife was wonderful, incredibly supportive and very understanding and really got me just to be okay with myself, just sitting with myself. And then I was like, okay, I'm going to go to therapy. And I found a really great therapist the second time around. Therapy, I feel, is like dating. Like, you really got to find the right connection. So I found a therapist I didn't really click with. I found another therapist. And I was like, okay, I can talk about everything. I explained kind of my backstory. And she was like, oh, so you were groomed. And I was like, I don't, I mean... 
I don't know. Like, no, I mean, no, because like I agreed to it. So it was like it wasn't like that. She was like, I'm not asking you a question. Like, she's a very firm therapist. And that's exactly the type of therapeutic relationship I needed. And she was like, no, this is not a back and forth. You were groomed. I'm just letting you know so that you can start to think about that. And then four years of therapy. And then we'll fast forward to 2020. And 2020, Hulu put out a television show called A Teacher. And it was about grooming. It was about a female teacher engaging in a sexual relationship with a male student. And I watched that with my wife and my sister. And like, we would be watching it. And my wife would be like, oh, my gosh, like, this is awful. And I was like, oh, shit, this is my life story. Like, this is what happened to me like word for word. And I was just like, so surprised. I wasn't surprised. Like, you know, these kind of stories are very taboo. And they come up there in Law and Order episodes or whatever. And I would just avoid them like the plague. Because like, that's not what happened to me. But like watching this one, I like really connected with it. And I was like, no, this is exactly what happened to me, like step by step. And then also in 2020, I turned 29. So that was the age that she was when she was grooming me. She was 29 when I was 17, and now I'm 29, and I cannot fucking fathom. Like, I can't even imagine even seeing any kind of interest in a 17-year-old child. I was really even surprised that, like, I had been comfortable with kind of saying grooming, you know, not out loud, but, like, to my wife and things like that for four years. So I thought I was, like, good. I thought I was, like, healed already. And then 2020, like, shook me. And that, like, how did this happen? So then I really started to commit to the healing journey. So I, like, talked to other people that were around me at the time and asked questions like, how did no one know? How did no one stop this? And I found out, like, some adults did ask questions. They didn't ask the right people and they maybe didn't ask the right questions. But, like, no one stopped this. Like, I think, in hindsight, it was blatantly obvious. It was the world's worst kept secret. But the school I attended kind of cultivated a culture of rules weren't a big deal. And a lot of students were friends with teachers. And especially with this dynamic of it being a female student and a female teacher, nobody really thought twice. And I think that happens a lot in the queer community that abuse is more, not ignored, but maybe not as readily recognized because like maybe that dynamic isn't picked up on. I think there's power in putting words to what happened as well. So in therapy, learning what grooming is, the stages of grooming and realizing, holy crap, why didn't anybody see this? Or it was so obvious now that I'm looking backward. The truth is at the time, she didn't have words for it. And I know personally in my healing journey, having professionals put words to what happened is simultaneously almost sad and like can cause grief and be like, why didn't I not see it then? But also it's almost like a sigh of relief. Like, oh, that's what that was. It helps to kind of put it in perspective and make sense of it. You can begin to break it down because you have words for it. Absolutely. And I totally resonate with that. And I want to acknowledge also Lex shared for being one of the reasons that supported that relationship with that teacher was the fact that the school she attended didn't have good and clear rules and that a lot of students were friends with teachers, which I find to be a huge problem, but I also have seen it and experienced it. 
And so that brings light to the fact that schools also have to be held accountable in having clear rules about relationships between teachers and students and faculty, as well as volunteers, just children and adults, period, right? Because there are people who are predators on purpose, and there are also people who are predators just because of their own trauma, right? But we have to be able to protect our children and our youth. That is our duty. Absolutely. We definitely need policy in schools, in universities, in volunteer organizations that make it very clear that friendship with minors separate from their parents is unacceptable, along with other guidelines. It seems like a no-brainer, and the fact that that is not consistent across the board is upsetting. Yeah, it really is. And I want to be careful not to say that children cannot have relationships with adults that are genuine relationships for the care of that child, because some children are not fortunate enough to have biological family that really look out and care for them, right? And so an extra caring adult or community could be what's saving them, right? Their safe haven. But we need to be clear about what those relationships look like so that we can minimize the amount of grooming that takes place. And that means we have to be vigilant, to your point. We have to not be so consumed with our busy schedules that we miss the signs because it could be at the detriment of another child. So again, Lex's wife was and still is their safe haven and biggest support. So my wife was my rock through all of it because she genuinely let me feel whatever I needed to feel. If I wasn't comfortable calling myself a victim, she was okay with that. Once I was okay with that term, she was okay with that. So she really just like let me go through anything I needed to throughout this process. And that is invaluable. But the best way I can explain it is I felt like I went through like the classic five stages of grief, but constantly and in really random order. So obviously for those seven years that I was in that relationship, hardcore denial. I mean, you couldn't have told me anything at that age. You couldn't have said like, this is bad for you. Like, I mean, obviously my mom tried and I was like, okay, well, if you don't want to support, I'm not going to be a part of this. Because that's what groomers do. You know, they convince you that they are the one who has always been there for you and has loved you the most. So therefore, you need them more than anyone else. And so denial was huge. And getting over that, I thought I could go right from denial to acceptance. I was like, I don't need all these stages. Okay, I got groomed. Let's keep it pushing. I'm good now. But then I circled my way back to anger into how did this happen? How did people let this happen? Like, there's no way that no one knew or thought or questioned or anything like that. And so there was a little bit of anger there for sure. And then there was quite a bit of bargaining in that like, okay, she groomed me, but she didn't mean to. That wasn't the intent. And then a lot of like, okay, I was groomed. And yes, I was certainly a victim, but it's not like I was raped. It's not that bad. And accepting my trauma was a big part of that because looking back, I can see like it fucked me up. But I had a lot of anxiety. I had really bad insomnia in high school. And I was like, yeah, because I was getting groomed because I was lying every single day about every aspect of my life. And I am a brutally honest person. Like trust and honesty are like my largest core values. So it wore on me a lot to live a secretive lifestyle. So now I am so committed to living authentically and being myself. 
I've recently dove even deeper into that. I use she and they pronouns. I'm very openly queer. I mean, just as queer as can be. I'm kind of not going by the name my mother blessed me with. So being able to go by Lex and being really welcomed in my community and accepted the way I am and using the pronouns that I feel most comfortable with and not having to hide anything. Like my wife posts about me all the time and I love it. And just being able to like hold hands with my wife in public, you don't think about that being a big deal, but it is when you were living a different kind of life in which you couldn't, in which it wasn't quote unquote safe to do so. So that just really doing whatever it is that I want to do is huge. Yeah. And living out loud. Yeah, absolutely. So. What are some of the lessons that you've learned on your healing journey, either about yourself or about just healing in general or even about managing trauma and triggers? You have to deep dive that shit. Like you can't just be like, okay, it was a thing. Like you have to get in there to the nitty gritty. And really a lot of it was reflection for me because it started so long ago now I'm looking back like, oh, okay, here were all these obvious signs. And I did a lot of like, I'm a scientist. I did a lot of like technical research into grooming. I'm like reading articles and all this. I'm like, okay, so then I can understand how and why it happened to me. And that helped take a lot of the self-blame away because I'm like, well, I agreed to be there. Therefore, it was my choice. Therefore, I'm not a victim. But that's not how it works. I was manipulated. I was coerced. I was, you know, all these things that weren't my fault. So just because I said yes doesn't mean I'm not a victim. So that was a huge step. Like I said, I took a very scientific approach to it. Like, I'm going to do this research. I took a lot of notes. I wrote a lot of things down. And now just knowing, in terms of like managing triggers, completely removing that person from my life was, I mean, was huge. So like, I don't have to see that person. I don't have to give that person any of my energy, any of my time, any power. And like I said, I know that's not, like, I know everyone doesn't get that, but that was definitely a big step for me. I don't shy away from it. If it's a story that I readily tell, it's something that I pretty freely talk about because it's just a part of my story. And this is where I ended up today, and I love it. I love where I ended up. So no one wants to say, like, I have no regrets, I wouldn't change a thing because nobody enjoys being victimized, but I, I love who I am today. So I can't being mad about what molded me when I think it came out great. Part of healing is sometimes acceptance of that. You can't change the time. You can't change history in the past. And so I thought that was pretty brave of her too, because part of healing is like, we do want reconciliation, but sometimes you don't get it and acceptance is going to be key in helping us to find peace. To give a little bit more background into what grooming is and how prevalent it is in our society, according to the Internet Watch Foundation, they reported its worst year on record for child sexual abuse online in 2021, as it confirmed 252,000 URLs containing large images or videos of children being sexually abused compared with 153,000 in the previous year. I find that very alarming. And the IWF, which is the Internet Watch Foundation, said that the rise in cases could be linked to COVID lockdowns, which required people to stay indoors and led to millions of people spending more time online. It said lockdowns led to younger and younger children being targeted on an industrial scale by Internet groomers. And that was just online, not even the in-person grooming. And so... When I read that stat, 
it was so alarming because I have heard from people in close quarters to me about their children or nieces and nephews being targeted by sexual predators online and how understanding what grooming is and what it looks like and some of those warning signs is highly important because it is so prevalent. And 252,000 URLs of children being groomed and targeted is scary beyond belief. Yeah, you know, I think so often we as a society teach children to quote unquote behave. And the truth is that as parents and educators and anyone who's around children, when a child says, this person makes me uncomfortable, we need to listen to that. And how widespread this is, is so incredibly upsetting that we need to be vigilant and we need to listen. And honestly, we need to start educating children very young about bodily autonomy and about that they have the ability to make decisions about their own body and when they are uncomfortable that they will be trusted and that just really isn't societally prevalent we teach children like go hug uncle so-and-so or go hug aunt so-and-so even if the kid doesn't want to and that begins a cycle of your uncomfortableness that feeling in your gut that you're uncomfortable can't be trusted you need to trust the adult and that sets up, even if it seems really like an innocent thing at the time, it sets up, opens a door for the possibility of grooming later. When youth and young adults and children feel uncomfortable, we need to have those conversations. But even when they feel comfortable, we still need to be asking certain questions about, you know, well, how much time are you spending with that person? And, you know, what kinds of conversations are you having when you're with that person so that we can see as adults, we can determine okay, you may not be uncomfortable with this person. You may actually like this person and really love spending time with them. But let me understand what is the nature of this relationship. And I don't think we have enough conversations about that or even know how many situations where that can occur. There is one person in particular that I've like spoken with at length about all this. And that person had a lot of insight to the situation, to both parties. And a lot of it is... I mean, a part of me wants to know why wasn't anything done, but also a part of it, like, I'm good now. I'm happy. So kind of reconciling, like, what I do need to heal and what I need to just let lie. So that's kind of something, because a lot of people, when I tell this story, are like, oh, so she's in jail now, right? And I'm like, no, she's still in education. And, like, it makes me feel kind of shitty because, like, I don't ever want to be responsible for something happening to someone else, but... I do think it was a one-off situation. The groomer is now engaged to an adult and moved on. So I don't feel like I need to take down their life, not because I'm worried about them, but because it would be detrimental to me. Like, my life is good now. I'm happy. I've moved on. And I think I've healed as much as I need to that I don't need to bring someone else down to bring me up. Thinking back now, right? You're an adult. You've been doing some healing. You've been asking yourself and other people questions, maybe really kind of diving deep into like where you were then. Was there something that you were missing maybe from your family or you said you didn't have a whole lot of friends back then? Was there something missing that allowed you to be in a position like that? Did you feel like she was feeling some type of a void? Oh, absolutely. 
my parents are great and my family is wonderful, but we were not like raised on hugs and I love yous. So even like that physical touch, that being shown affection was a very absent for much of my childhood. So I didn't realize I was craving that. So I would accept it from wherever it was available. So that was huge. And help me understand, in your opinion, is it always intentional or can it sometimes be taught behavior? So this is something that I have kind of fought with and gone back and forth a lot because you don't like I didn't want to blame my perpetrator. She was caught up and fell in love and she was immature and I was really mature and I caught up and fell in love. But at the end of the day, I was a 17 year old student and she was a 29 year old adult. It doesn't matter. So it doesn't matter what her intentions are. There is a line, especially in education, when you are a teacher, there is a line that is very clear that you do not cross under any circumstances. So while I don't think she had like particularly manipulative motives, she held that power. So it didn't matter. And that's the thing that I had to accept that her intentions don't mean anything because I even for a long time after I was like, I don't want to get her in trouble. I don't want to ruin her life. But why should I care? She did something awful. And if she has to pay for that someday. That's on her. She made those choices. So while I don't think it was like vindictive and I don't think grooming quote unquote was her goal, it's still what happened. And during the course of the relationship, we had purchased a dog together. After the breakup, we were co-parenting the dog, which I'm embarrassed about, but it is what it is. And last January, I was like, hey, we need to talk because through this healing journey, I was like, I want to confront this head on. So We sat down and I was like, hey, I've been going to a lot of therapy. I've been going through this process. And like, I want to talk about the fact that you groomed me. And she was like, yeah, I was immature. Sorry. That was essentially the gist of the conversation. So like that was as much responsibility as she was going to take for it. She was immature. Immaturity does not make a 29-year-old seek out a 17-year-old for a romantic relationship. But I wasn't going to let my healing be based on her taking responsibility for her role in this. And that's fine. I had talked with my therapist a lot before I went into this conversation that like, I can't go in with expectations. I'm just going to be disappointed. But I also said like, I'm keeping the dog forever. I never want to see you again. And that has been successful thus far. So we haven't spoken since. And that has really been a big part of my healing journey because this person was a part of my life for so long. It's such a big, prominent thing to really be able to cut ties cleanly is honestly a blessing because not everyone gets that choice. A lot of people are victimized and they have to see those people every day. Those people are sometimes family members. Those people are people they cannot avoid. And I got the option to break away clean, which I know is like a luxury for a victim. In closing, Lex shared the things that has helped her heal is therapy. And then she also talked about and own the fact that part of what came from her trauma was anxiety and certain other behavioral things. And so medication is absolutely something that she uses to help manage herself. And she is 100% okay and confident with that. And she wants other people to know that if medicine is something that you need, it is okay. Look, I will go be in a commercial for Zoloft. I will tell anybody who wants to hear it, get you some Zoloft. Because I struggle with anxiety and OCD, and it just takes the edge off a little bit. I was like, I don't have to be so angry just being alive. And it was great because I struggled a lot with the pandemic because everything felt out of control and I didn't have a choice but to be isolated. So it kind of like triggered a lot of things for me. 
And I was like, let me go ahead and get this 100 milligrams a day. And it has changed my life. And there's nothing wrong with it. There's like, because if you had a headache every single day, no one would judge you for taking ibuprofen every day. So if I have anxiety every single day, why wouldn't I take Zoloft every day? Accepting that was really big for me because I was like, I shouldn't need medicine to feel normal. But like, it's okay. It's just a chemical imbalance. And why wouldn't I want to write that? You don't have to feel crazy. You don't have to be ashamed or guilty. Something happened to you. And now there is an effect or an impact. And now in order to continue to heal, you have to figure out what tools and tips that you need to heal and manage yourself. Absolutely. Nobody would shame you for taking an antibiotic. Exactly. And whatever works for you works for you. That's not my business, right? It's none of our business what people feel works for them. And we should not be ashamed of the things that we feel works for us, right? For us to wake up every day and show up and all of those things, right? And that leads me into the next part. I asked Lex what they wanted to leave with our listeners. And they said these following things. And something else that I just think is important for everyone that especially people that listen to this podcast is don't lessen your trauma. Don't minimize what happened to you because that's something I did a lot because I didn't realize it was traumatic until after it was already over. So I was like, well, then it it couldn't have been that bad because I was fine with it for so long and I didn't even know it was traumatic until after it was over. But that doesn't that doesn't make it less traumatic. Your body knows, your body feels what you were going through the whole time. And I definitely like paid a toll for that along the way. So you tell other people not to minimize your trauma, but you don't minimize it for yourself. And that that's huge. And that was that was something that took a long time for me to reconcile with myself. Yes. And so thank you for sharing that, because it's really good not to minimize. It's a good point in principle to remind people of and to be mindful of as they're healing, because sometimes we can do that, you know, especially because we all have different traumas and some of us have similar ones. And sometimes they're a little bit more tragic than others. And so we can look at that and compare and say, oh, well, mine isn't that bad. But no, it's all bad when it has hurt you and harmed you and caused trauma, you know, that is deep rooted. So thank you for sharing that. And one thing that is on my mind right now, because affirmations are something that we live by, positive affirmations. So I would like to encourage you to leave our listeners um, with some positive affirmations that you have used on yourself, but also just maybe even in the moment that you can just leave with them and share that can really lift them up. Okay. Ooh. Every day and every way that you show up is okay, no matter what that looks like. If you can't get out of bed today, that's fine. Enjoy that snuggly blanket, and that's okay. We'll try again tomorrow. And however you are feeling is okay. It doesn't matter what triggered that feeling. It doesn't matter how long that feeling lasts, it's all okay. Every day you get a new day to try something different or to be exactly the same. Not every day has to be progress. Just existing is progress. So like, I'm really curious in this moment, I know we talked a little bit briefly before, how are you feeling in this moment telling your story after telling it? I mean, it's it's going to be on a podcast that it is public. How do you really like feel I am feeling so many things right now. A little nervous because while I have gotten really comfortable with the story and I've gotten really comfortable like saying that I was groomed, I haven't told the story at length in detail much, but I did it 
in preparation for this podcast, I did it twice in the past two weeks. And just like seeing someone react to the story, like, what the fuck? It's like, oh, okay. Like, no one wants to say their trauma validating, but it is. Like, okay, yeah, that was bad. And like, so anyone hearing the story was like, that is really traumatic. But being here and being able to tell this story, because it's so taboo and it's something like we don't talk about. Like, even throughout the Me Too movement, like, we can talk about sexual assault. We can talk about rape. I know more women that have been sexual assaulted than women that have not. But we don't talk about grooming still. Like, we're still not going to talk about that because it makes people uncomfortable. And people don't want to think about the fact that that can happen in a place where you're assuming your kid is going to be safe. Which is even more of a reason to talk about it, right? Yes. So this just being here is a big part of my healing journey. I want to be able to, even if like someone doesn't ever want to talk about their experience, they at least can know they're not alone. And that is huge. Just knowing like, you're not crazy. It wasn't your fault. They shouldn't have done that to you is really important. So if you think you're in the situation or if someone is in the situation, definitely take a look and ask some questions. You could stop someone from sitting in this chair and talking about their trauma. And the worst case scenario is that's not what's happening. And then that's great. But if you didn't and you found out later that's what happened, you're going to feel responsible. So it doesn't hurt to inquire more when you think something bad is happening, especially to a child. And if you're listening to this and you're realizing that this happened to you, do not blame yourself. It was not your fault. And just know that more than anything. And take your time. You do not have to heal overnight. Healing doesn't, like you said, healing doesn't look the same for everyone and there's no timeline for it. So give yourself grace and definitely just, you're okay. As long as you're safe, you're okay. So just be okay with yourself. And so looking at Lex as she was sharing these tips and these tools and words of affirmation, if you will, she was beaming. I mentioned this before, but she was beaming ear to ear. She actually had her wife here with her as moral support, which I loved. And I could tell, man, that connection is strong and it's beautiful. And it is needed, and I'm glad that her wife was here. But Lex seems to be in a wonderful place now. She is happy. She is thriving. She is loved. She is accepted, and she is continuously healing. And is a part of that. A huge part of that is that connection that she has with her wife, her person, and. I just, I commended her again for just being here, for telling her story, to raise awareness about sexual and romantic grooming. And I learned a lot. I resonated a lot and was even able to take ownership of being an advocate for stopping grooming when I see it. Because I think part of when we know information and when we gain insight and knowledge, it is our duty to then do better, right? Once we have the knowledge, we should be a part of the solution to stopping this trauma that is occurring all the time and at alarming rates. So the interview with Lex was amazing. It was beautiful. It was healing. It was a sigh of relief. I asked her how she felt in the moment as she shared, and she said she was nervous, but that she felt a sense of relief to be able to share and to and to tell her story. And so I couldn't ask for more. 
Lex, we thank you for being on our podcast. We thank you for sharing your story with us and for trusting us. This has been another wonderful episode of Tears, Tides, and Transformation, a podcast about healing. I am Kiana Daniels. And I am Bridget Flaherty. Thank you so much. I see new tides carry on through the years, transform through the tears, the audacity of you going through it all, the audacity of you trusting self all I see.